After first months, when I built the first version of Mars, I could actually continue building Mars on itself because the whole Mars is to build software. And I told myself, for me to see that I'm doing these things right, like the easiest way to see that is to actually be able to build Mars on itself. Because if I tell others, like, come and build your software on Mars, and then the natural question I would ask myself, like, are you building Mars on Mars? And I thought, all right, I have to keep that rule in place. I'm John Rush, founder and CEO of Mars X. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, and today how John Rush built the platform to connect the two worlds of low-code and no-code. All this and more on Code Story. John Rush has been in tech since he was a child, so it's hard for him to think of a time where it wasn't part of his life. Since 2008, he's been building apps, websites, etc., and during this time, he noticed that a lot of his tasks were similar, repetitive. Outside of tech, he plays soccer on a semi-professional team. It's a huge part of his life. He also likes the outdoors and even plays a little ping pong. While running his prior startup, John wanted to figure out a way to create a system that allowed him to get reuse out of the work he was building. What he ended up creating was an ecosystem for solution builders and developers to merge the worlds of low-code and no-code. This is the creation story of Mars X. What Mars X is doing, or what I was doing at the beginning, is that I built this tool that let me put together ready-made blocks of functionality. Like, for example, you're building booking portal, like for, for accommodation, and then it consists of features such as booking process, payment, user profile, search, filters, etc. So there are like 30 f- features you will find in the average project. And the idea of Mars X is that these features, we call them micro-apps, can be reused by developers and by non-developers. And then the only thing left for them to do is to customize it and connect it together. So there is uh, pretty much like a, like a Lego for a project. But the difference between uh, this traditional approach and our approach is that almost in all cases, uh, you end up by needing some custom thing in almost every block. Like that's the reality, right? Like once you start putting things together, you come up with a lot of custom little things. And uh, it's really important that the blocks are modifiable, like that you can actually change the block and it's easy to change. And what Mars did comparing to what existed in the market before Mars is that like the block idea is not new, but what we did, we made it really simple to modify those blocks so that you don't have to be limited by the functionality of the blocks. The other thing we do, which is really, really cool and I like it the most, is that we open up the whole new economy for these blocks. So these micro-apps, 
are built not by our team, but they're built by the other startup people. Like basically people make a living on it and they make money on that. And then uh, their full-time job is to keep building the microbes, improve it, fix bugs and react on the feedback. And then on the other hand, there are the startup people, the founders who want to build the end products. And the founders who want to build end products, they buy the microbes from the marketplace, from the developers who are really good at building the actual microbes. So it's a very good way of letting every party focus on what they do the best. So developers get this really huge opportunity to actually build stuff and not really think about product market fit, not really think about you know all the things like design and and investments and things like that. They can just build the micro up and everything else is done for them. The marketplace will kind of push it towards to the projects and then the whole economy happens. I started in 2018, so the first year of the project was just weekends and evenings after my main start. And what I was doing at the beginning is that I had my main startup that was a tech company as well. And I was also like a part-time CTO in two more startups. So I had three projects running. And then I thought like, what if it built something that will help me build these projects more efficiently? And that was kind of the, the birth of the idea. Let's dive into the MVP then. So tell me about that first product you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? The first version took me about three months, but that was evenings and weekends. So it's kind of interesting. So first, the first months, I used the traditional languages such as JavaScript, um, Node.js, JavaScript, and Vue.js. So it was like pretty basic stuff, like what everybody else does. But after first months, when I built the first version of Mars, I could actually continue building Mars on itself because the whole Mars is to build software. And I told myself, for me to see that I'm doing these things right, like the easiest way to see that is to actually be able to build Mars on itself. Because if I tell others, like, come and build your software on Mars, and then the natural question I would ask myself, like, are you building Mars on Mars? And I thought, all right, I have to keep that rule in place. So the first months I did it on traditional stuff, and the second and third months I did it with the Mars itself. And on the third months, it was very unfinished. It, it looked like it had a lot of bugs and everything, but it was good enough to validate my main idea. And the main idea I had was that, can I get developers to build microbes and other projects to take the microbes and use it in their projects. So it was kind of, can I connect these two groups? And I could validate that right after three months. Uh, and my first few customers were actually the startups I worked with earlier since I had really, really large network. Three months from the start, the MVP was ready and we had about three customers on that. With any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around, you know, scope, you know, cutting or limiting, tech debt, feature cuts, stuff like that. Tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make and how you coped with those decisions. Here, it was extremely difficult with that. In my previous startups, we never launched in three months. So usually we had six months to launch the stuff and we had more people doing it. And here I was alone and I had my main job and I had given myself only three months because uh, I felt like that's the right time. So I had to cut away a lot of things. And and also, uh, since my users were developers, the developers were really picky 
And they are the people who are really, really direct when they don't like something. So, uh, and I told myself, like, it's obvious that nobody going to really like this. But I should focus not that people like it, but that it solves the problem that is not possible to solve otherwise. And that's why I had to cut almost everything what was about the UX. I had to cut, like, there was one feature when users had to create project on Mars. First, I thought I have, I have to make the feature for that. But then I thought, like, I can make a form where you create a project. And in fact, I get an email and I just go and do it myself very quickly. And then I send the email back to the person with the URL. And they work really well because they saved me a lot of time. So almost... Uh, Everything was done that way except the core feature that was, that was really important uh, to validate. Okay, let's move forward then. So you've got your MVP. How did you progress the product and mature it? And I'm curious how you go about building your roadmap and how you go about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with MarsX. Yeah, that was really simple because we had developers using the platform and they were just crying for changes. Like we had the Slack group where we had the people, uh, all the developers there who were using it. And it was a lot of messages. People were complaining about everything. But in some projects, it's really difficult to get the feedback because people don't use the project the whole day. They, they use it once a week or something. But here it was like, you know, from morning to the evening, the developers use it. So they had a lot of feedback. And I was just uh, looking in their feedback and whatever, was there for more than one person, more than one time. That was the feature for the roadmap. So uh, I was just looking at the most uh, re repeated questions, most repeated uh, bug reports, because we had uh, about uh, 100 bugs after like first two weeks. And they thought like it's impossible to fix 100 bugs. So I had to fix like the top two every week probably. And, and how to figure out which one is the top, like if people ask for it again. So it was very, very, scary and if, uh, I was really afraid that people will just give up on using it uh, because it was so unmature and it was uh, so buggy and hard to understand. From other hand, because I was fixing stuff really fast, people really gave me more time and they, they kind of uh, were okay to wait. But the other thing would happen is that very early on, uh, I realized that the path to success of this project is if all the developers who use it start contributing. And then I said, like, anyone can just uh, fix the bug if that's important. Like, if you need the feature, just add it. So very early on, the whole platform was built in a way that it was very simple for anyone who is using it to contribute in it and fix anything they find bothering them. And that's what I did. And then suddenly after that, people started just fixing stuff. And it was kind of cool. Like one developer would post the bug and then two or three times, and then some other developer would fix it. And then it was kind of cool mechanics because the other developer would get a lot of likes from all the other guys because he did it. And it's not his job. He just did it for fun. And, and then people just started doing that. And I think after like first five months, 90% of the code was coming not from me, but it was coming from the other developers who are using it. Let's move on to other developers, right? Tell me about how you built your team and, and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you? Building a team is really complicated and I've made a lot of mistakes there in past. 
and I tried to learn from those mistakes. And one thing I was sure about is that I had to not hire too often because it was very, very difficult to find the right people for this project because uh, developers are extremely opinionated and uh, conservative. And for most of them, things like Mars don't sound like an exciting thing. Like a lot of developers think that development won't change, it will be the way it is now forever. And that was the problem. So uh, it was not easy for me to recruit. But then I thought like, uh, instead of recruiting, I could just see what's happening uh, with these contributions. And the people who contribute the most are probably the most interested in this stuff. And also they prove that they they like it and they, they can actually contribute and improve it. And then I thought like in a year from now or six months from now, I will just see who are the best and I will just offer them to join my team. And that's what I did. So the first year I was alone uh, in the team but in fact my team was like 25 people because the other 24 people were the developers who were using it and they were contributing and I, I didn't even have to pay for it like that was kind of the beauty of this open source stuff is that um, you don't have to pay for that and then after a year I realized that I have to get uh, full-time people in my team I have to reward them with the equity and the uh, and I have to make sure that they stay with me for uh, for the next uh, five, 10 years. And then I just went to the best guys and I talked to them and, and some of them uh, said that uh, they would love to join the team uh, full-time moving forward. So some people came that way. And then uh, some other people I found through being really active in social media. So I was very active on social media talking about Mars and talking about the whole domain of uh, low code and uh, this rapid development. And then uh, there was one guy, he worked in Microsoft and he sent me a message saying that, look, I really feel you, like all the problems you described, I had them for the last 10 years as well. And I tried to build my own stuff like Mars few times. And I know it's so complicated that I can't do it alone. And I don't want to start a company and be the solo founder. So I want to join your And then I said, well, that's cool. Like he was really amazing. And then uh, he joined the team as CTO and uh, I could focus more on the CEO role after that. Let's talk about scalability. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or are you fighting this as you grow and gain traction? The first version of Mars was so unscalable that I think couldn't even handle 50 users. It was just, it was very, very, very crappy. <laughs> but I knew that the first version has to be so crappy that I have no feelings for it. So I will just rewrite it and make the second version. So that's what I did. Like after the first seven months, actually after the first six months, I went on building the new version, which was just from scratch. And we launched that after six months. So the second version took us six months, while the first version took us three months. And when we launched the new version, it was kind of painful that projects built on the first version couldn't really use the second version. It was very different stuff. It was impossible to uh, convert. And that was really a difficult decision to make for me because people you know, spend time, they build their stuff on the first version. But then I decided that uh, I would just help them. We will help them. And we did that. We just uh, went on with our own team and, 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 and we just helped to port and recreate everything that was created on the first Mars to the second Mars. And we did the same thing when we built the third version. And then we did the same thing when, when we built fourth version. 
just don't try to make it scalable. Make sure you just build stuff so fast that you can rebuild the second version fast enough that you don't have to really progress from version to version or you can just rebuild it. Because when you rebuild stuff, you have this advantage of being startup, being small. Once you start moving the whole legacy ahead and just, just improving it, then you're just becoming like this old giant companies that have this disadvantage of not being able to change rapidly. Because when we were moving, when we were building the second, third version, we've changed some things that was impossible to add to the older versions. And if we weren't building from scratch, we just wouldn't be able to build those features. And that would be kind of too early uh, to consolidate because we were not dominating in the market yet to consolidate. I really like your transparency in the very beginning too about, you know, the early version was so not scalable, right? And it's interesting how different people approach that. You know, the the general consensus is try to build it not scalable, get it out there. You know, I hear what you're saying, like you don't want to be too emotionally connected to it, right? But still, I still find it fascinating that everybody approaches it a little bit different. They may be like, yeah, it wasn't scalable, but it was designed to be scalable. Or yeah, it wasn't scalable and it broke after five people and we rewrote the whole thing. Or no, actually to release this product, it had to be completely scalable. And if it, if it wasn't scalable and if it wasn't picture perfect, then nobody would have bought it. So it's, it's I think that's why I asked that question. It's fascinating. You know, I have a large network of uh, founders uh, who I talk to and I see everything they do. Some people uh, go for building scalable from the beginning, but taking the observations, I think if you're trying to choose the least wrong way of doing stuff, I think building not scalable stuff is the least wrong thing to do because you might be wrong and you might have trouble and people don't wait until you rebuild it. That's possible. But from other hand, if you had traffic, if people used it, then you know what has to be built and then, well, the market is huge, right? And then uh, you maybe uh, lost these users and these customers, but it's not like that's the end of the market. So I think taking the risk on building not scalable solutions from the beginning is going to be better in most of the cases. And also, it's a lot about your product and the and the skills. Like in, in, in often cases, it's really complicated to think about everything while you build it in the beginning. And also it takes more time. And I thought like, I have three months, I'm doing it alone on the weekends and evenings. No chance I can build some great stuff <laughs> that way and and I'm building the complicated stuff right this is a complex project so I, I think it's project by project well John as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built what are you most proud of the community of developers why because the developers are as I said earlier really conservative and they think that the skills they got the tools they learned uh, are the tools they're going to be using moving forward maybe there was some more tools they used but but pretty much the same and then um, I had to do a lot of work to convince quite a large group of developers who were the first users of Mars that it doesn't have to be that way that the new stuff uh, is possible to use and you can make the, take the risks and shift your focus to the actual results. Because with Mars, you get a, a lot less code written and a lot more outcome, right? And that's not so much fun for most of the developers because developers like writing code. I have to find a philosophy that will convince developers it's also fun to write less code and get more results. 
And we've done quite well, so we have quite good uh, community of developers. And the whole community of developers we have is like the, this active force behind building Mars further. Let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Uh, I think one of the mistakes we made, uh, we, we picked wrong technology at the beginning that we had to rewrite and uh, that was kind of uh, painful. But we were so focused on on running ahead that it's really hard to remember even those mistakes. One more mistake I would do differently if I did it uh, again is that I would actually find a CTO earlier because I've been building this stuff alone for a year and a half. and, and because of that, I couldn't really focus on a lot of the things because I had to do programming 90% of my time. And then I couldn't hire, I couldn't uh, uh, promote this and, and a lot of the things. So I think uh, growing the team too late was one of the mistakes I did. If I didn't do that, I think I would be farther now uh, than where I am. What does the future look like for MarsX, the product, and for your team? Our mission is to to empower all creators to create their products in weeks rather than many months. To see the world where people can exercise their dreams and, and make them into the functioning products that work really well faster than before. To do so, we want to promote this idea that the tech and the products and the applications and all these things can actually be built faster than than everybody thinks. The market thinks that uh, it has to take a year or six months or nine months to build stuff. And because everybody thinks so, people don't even look for alternative solutions. And so so far, most of the market doesn't really know the alternative solutions even exist, like Mars and like others. So I think the next uh, two to three years, uh, our main job is to find this smaller group of people, which is like uh, some some fraction of the market that, that already believes in this uh, model, that uh, there are alternative ways. We, we want them to use Mars, we want them to uh, like it and to share it. But then what we hope is that these people who use Mars, when they succeed, the stories of their success will also surface that they haven't done the whole thing in traditional way. They've done it differently. They've done it faster. And people will see that, they will hear that. And then the next generation of founders might be more open for things like Mars. We have very long-term goals. We have the roadmap for like 15 years. Uh, But for the next five years, uh, it's more about this. So we know that the market is huge and it's not ready yet for this kind of uh, movement, but part of the market is ready and part of the market really loves this stuff. And we want to work and empower them even more. And and then we want to see them succeeding uh, in years from now. And then that will drive the whole thing farther. And, 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 the, and then the whole broad market will start believing into this. You know, I, I hear you saying that maybe the market's not ready, but I think you're close. I honestly think you're really close with Mars X. Maybe they're not exactly ready right now, but I think they're, I think, you're on to something. And I think this type of tool needs to exist. So so kudos for sure. Well, John, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? You know, name someone or multiple someones or something you look up to and why. I really like people who tell the real story of what they do, who don't tell the stuff they read or the stuff they watched, but the stuff they actually done. And that's what I'm trying to do myself. And that's the thing I believe a lot in. 
uh, and and I benefit a lot from that. So I was lucky that a lot of the people I know, uh, a lot of the people from my network are also founders. They share their inside stories. They they share things that you don't read in the internet, and that helps me a lot. Uh, because I see such a big difference between what's in the internet and what people tell in public and from what actually happens, right? Because when you talk in public, you, you often have to think like, how would people react on it? How would investors react on this kind of stuff? How would potential new employees react on it? And, and et cetera. And I think that's a good framework, but, but you end up by just being not yourself eventually. So I look up to people who are very honest, I like uh, listening podcasts. For example, uh, Lex Friedman is my favorite because uh, he's running a podcast about the AI on programming languages. Uh, and I've listened quite a lot of the podcasts he run with uh, with the people who have created programming languages before, with all these people who have created a lot of the cool stuff. And and it's really good. Like uh, they were really open and honest about all the mistakes they've done and all the things they've done well. So that's the group of people I look up to. I'm not trying to make a persona or a role model and then repeat. I I really like what Steve Jobs has done with Apple, and partly we're inspired by by what Apple did uh, with uh, with iPhone and App Store because they opened up huge economy for app builders, and we're opening up huge economy for for micro app builders who are the developers. So I think this is very similar, and and we kind of looked at the whole model they've done and and reused a lot of the stuff. We talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? I would do it earlier if I could, because this idea has been sitting in my head for like forever. Like I would always try to build something to simplify my work. I'm a big fan of simplification and I'm not a big fan of work actually, but I really like results, but I don't like the process. So I was always willing to make something to simplify the process. The reason I didn't start early with this project was that I didn't really believe that this kind of project is is possible for me to implement. Like because all the projects I've done before were in a more simple horizon. It was like apps, it was SaaS, etc. And here the idea was to build a tool to build other tools. So basically you're building the platform where other people are gonna build their stuff. And that sounds really, really complicated and scary. So I was postponing this for like two or three years at least. The timing uh, is so good now, but it would be even better if, if we were two years before. And then the other thing I would do is I would I would quit uh, some of my projects earlier just because uh, when I started Mars, I had to uh, share my time with a lot of the other stuff. And that was very complicated and I, it was hard to focus. I should have left the previous stuff earlier and because uh, other startups I worked with, they had good teams and it was pretty much delegated, but I still felt like I can't leave. I still felt like I have to be here a little bit as well. But then uh, if I did it again, I would just be more brave and I would just tell my team that, guys, I'm, I'm building something great and I really want to spend next 20 years building it. If I go there full time, that will be better. Well, last question, John. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? 
the advice I give to uh, people often when, when they ask is that do not try to build something you don't care about. Uh, and I've done that mistake myself many times. I think building startup takes time, many years. It takes seven to 10 years, I think. If you don't really care a lot about uh, that problem, if that problem doesn't bother you directly and often, it's really difficult to be, to be motivated on solving it. And the other thing is that you have to love the users. You have to care about problem personally, and you have to love the other side, the users. And in my case, I really liked the founders and the makers, like people who build stuff, the creators, like my favorite people. Uh, and then I really struggled myself with the problem of uh, not being able to build stuff fast, like, you know, spending many months building stuff while like, I would want to spend just a few weeks. I see how that works now. I see the difference now uh, with Mars versus the previous startups I had is that uh, the level of motivation I have is like 10 times higher. So the advice is uh, do not build something because that's a trend or that's uh, an idea somebody shared with you and you think it makes sense. Just try to find, I don't know how, but just try to find a, a problem that you personally experience uh, in some way and work with those problems. Fantastic advice. John, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Mars X. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure to talk. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.